Welcome to Behavior Fit Radio, where we talk health, fitness, and behavior analysis. I'm your host, Nick Green. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone, Nick here. Uh, today's episode, I am going to be doing a Q&A from questions that I received uh, about two months ago. So um, these questions are going to be related to how health, fitness, and applied behavior analysis uh, kind of fit together. Um, some questions are related to, um, you know, how do we make uh, effective interventions? How do we make a career out of it? I'm just going to scratch the surface on a couple of these and um, we'll just jump into it. So just a little bit of a background regarding the questions themselves. So about, um, it's the end of November as I'm recording this. So I, I went to a conference back in mid-October at the Hoosier Association of Behavior Analysis for Behavior Analysis Conference in Indianapolis, Indiana. So Hoosier is the, uh, is the, uh, mascot, if you will, of Indiana. So that's what we're known for. We're called Hoosiers. But I went to Purdue, so boiler up. And we won our football game against IU. The Oaken Bucket game. We got the we got the bucket. Another P on the chain. Anyway, I digress. So these questions, um, before I went to the uh, conference, um, I, I asked social media, some of you guys out there on Instagram and Facebook, what are some questions that you would like to hear answered? On the um, on the health and fitness panel that I helped uh, MC, so we brought together a few of us who have some uh, experience in health, fitness, sports, wellness to answer some questions at the at the conference in a live audience. And the panelists included myself, uh, Dr. Polly Gavoni, Paul Glove, Polly Gloves. He's one of the Behavior Fit. Advisory board members, you'll catch him on another episode talking about what he loves, uh, uh, coaching uh, MMA fighters and boxing. Um, also, we had uh, Tanya Warwick, who works at a metabolic institute, uh, helping overweight patients with their nutrition. Um, Ryan O'Donnell of the Daily BA, he was there and um, discussed how he has worked in uh, applied behavior analysis in the field, working with individuals. Um, and teams related to, if I recall correctly, basketball, like free throw shooting form, things like that, um, the flow of play. Um, it was related more about um, how a star player in defense, um, full court press, and suggesting that when this person over here gets pressed and they can't shoot or pass or something. So um, he talked about that. And then the other panelist... Um, who am I forgetting? I, I feel bad now. So it was me, Polly, Ryan, and Tanya. Um, oh, and we had um, Dr. Matt Normand um, of the University of Pacific. He's a behavior analyst. He is a researcher who um, has studied and researched um, a lot about physical activity, uh, specifically with kids and increasing their moderate, vigorous physical activity, that 60 minutes of day of play, which I talked about, um, back in back in episode two or three, um, the physical activity guidelines. So he's done a lot of research there. So it was uh, it was us on the panel. Um, we had a really good um, discussion. So some of the questions that I'm going to be covering today. So I asked for them, but I did not, or we did not get a chance to answer them. And even if we did, um, everybody listening, maybe you didn't make it to the conference. That was a small conference, so I'm guessing a lot of you probably didn't make it. So. 
I have four questions, and let's go ahead and jump into it. So question one, if someone wants to get started in ABA and fitness as a career, what are the steps? All right, so this is a big, big question. So you think about two things here, ABA and fitness as a career. So you have two different specialties that you need to become an expert. You need to be fluent in those skills. So ABA is applied behavior analysis. So applying the principles of human behavior to what? To fitness and health. All right, so that in itself, those are two different skill sets. So you need to know not only what are all those principles, do you have that checked off the list? And part B, fitness. So what do you mean by fitness if you're asking this question? If you're thinking about fitness, what does fitness mean to you? How much do you personally know about fitness? Uh, what's your definition of being fit? Do you know the recommendations that are out there? Do you know who provides those recommendations? Um, I can I can rattle off a couple just because I've been in a position to study that for the past uh, five, six years of my academic career. So I'm very, very, very familiar with um, the American Heart Association, the CDC, what those official government recommendations are. Um, and as a behavior analyst, it's ethical to resort to um, the recommendations that are given by experts when they are out of our scope. So as a behavior analyst, you're trained at the master's level to learn the principles, but you're, you do not cover necessarily all the... Um, all the necessary skills and knowledge that you need as a background for fitness. So traditionally, in master's programs for behavior analysis, you have a different specialty that um, is out there and pays the bills for many of you listening, and that is special education and um, uh, autism and developmental disabilities. So you have that specialty overlaid on top of learning the principles of applied behavior analysis. So what are the first steps? So step one, to be the scientist, to be the behavior analyst, you have to know your principles. Step one. Step two, looking at fitness as a career, you need to check off the box. What is it that you want to learn about fitness and making it as a career? So for me and fitness, I know about the standard physical activity recommendations. I am an avid CrossFitter. I love it. So I know all about the specific movements, uh, functional movements, all the techniques. You know, I'd like to say I'm pretty good after five years of doing it, um, but I've immersed myself in that culture and learned um, the day-to-day activities of coaches, of boxes, things like that. So you need to know, no matter what industry that you want to get into, whether it's fitness, a hospital, helping the homeless, you need to know a lot about that industry. And then the next challenge is to then marry those two skill sets together and that's the challenging part because there are no you know there's no once you graduate um, or pass your board certif- uh, board certification exam there's no like oh yeah here here's the way here's the map uh, I think it's going to look a little bit different for everybody else um, as a parallel you could almost just think about um, I give this example all the time so you could be a real estate agent and you just got your license. How do you make a career out of it? Well, there's a lot of other steps that are involved with selling houses and um, acquiring new leads and things like that. So there is a lot to it. Um, this gets into more like business development. But at the very least, the first steps, you need to master your skills as a behavior analyst. And you need to master all the skills that you think you need for 
uh, being an expert on fitness. And then that step three would be, then you have to combine those, and that's the hard part. So I think that's good for this, this question here. Question two. How can we get behavior analysts to become part of American health of looks like there's a typo of the American healthcare system for not only individuals with disabilities, which I talked about, but to address America's chronic obesity and illness problems. So just an aside, if you're not familiar with the work that behavior analysts do for individuals with disabilities, so um, that has largely been a success due to a lot of um, we co- what's been called the angry autism moms, and there's been a lot of uh, policy and legislation pl- passed um, due to this high need, the care and love of these families that they want to receive services for their loved ones uh, with developmental delays. So the healthcare system has changed in, in regards to those individuals, and there's been a lot of, a lot of success there. Um, going back to, okay, there's another part to this question here. So how do we become part of that American healthcare system now for chronic obesity and illness problems? I hear a lot of functional medicine doctors talk about health coaches, and they're basically describing behavior analysts. Sort of, but they're not trained in um, uh, the science of human behavior. I would really like to know how to influence functional medicine doctors to collaborate with us to fight against chronic illness and obesity. So related to what I talked about earlier about immersing yourself into the culture, and I immerse myself in the culture of CrossFit, so I know a lot about it, I would challenge... um, individuals who want to look at how you get you know how you want how you want to change the American healthcare system if you want to know about functional medicine and how they operate you need to immerse yourself in that culture and then you'll soon figure out how to influence them you have to look at what are the reasons they change their practices what new information are they most sensitive to most importantly what are the measures behaviorally that make sense for them so if, if a functional medicine doctor prescribes intervention do they have um, do they have the adequate measures in place that could be one idea how can you how can you really uh, bring value to another individual in their profession and that's that's really the name of, name of the game no matter what no matter what your skill set is if you're a behavior analyst or not um, if you are trained in a particular area of fitness or not when we work with each other we need to figure out how to solve each other's problems and if you can't solve a problem for somebody um, then your influence may be very limited. But what that looks like, I don't know. You need to go meet the functional medicine doctors, introduce yourself, uh, describe to them what you can do for them and how you can work together. So that's the baby steps. How do you start solving obesity and chronic illness and things like that Uh, as a part of the healthcare system? um, if If I bring my organizational behavior management training to this question, in OBM, we look at any kind of performance issue, or in this case, maybe a health problem as, as, a, as, a, uh, as a systems issue. So you have three levels of analysis. You have the um, individual level. So you have what is that individual doing? Are they behaving good or bad? Are they eating too much? Are they not eating too much? Are they exercising? Are they sitting? That's the individual level. Then you look at the process. So what's the process? Um, I go to work. I don't have good food. So I go home and then I order fast food and I repeat that cycle, you know, for 35 years. What's that process? Then you look at the at the systems level, the macro level, the wide view, the looking for the forest trees, just zooming out, if you will, that larger 
macro level, what are those policies that are in place that are affecting individuals? So you have to look at how do you want to intervene? Do you want to intervene with the individual? Do you want to look at the system as a whole? Or do you want to look at, or sorry, the process, that middle level, helping them with the day-to-day? Or do you want to look at the larger healthcare system that affects everybody else? So how do you do that? Um, You take baby steps, immerse yourself in the culture. Um, Again, I'm looking at the part where health coaches are basically describing behavior analysts. And in my brief career in this health area for the past five years, I've just noticed that um, as behavior analysts, as a behavior analyst, we are very good at collecting um, single subject data, and maybe we could bring that to um, to the plate of these other industries. All right, I think that's good for question two. Question three, discuss ways. That's not much of a question, but just more of, if I was there in person, here's what I'd want you to talk about. Discuss ways to get past plateaus or when people stop seeing progress and usually fall off a diet or workout plan. All right. So a plateau, what does that mean when you have a plateau? I guess it would mean that you no longer see progress. You are you are flatlining. You, uh, if you're losing weight, you lost 10 pounds, and then your weight stays the same for a, an extended period, or you are working out and you're no longer seeing your mile time decrease. You're no longer seeing your um, if you use a CrossFit exercise, you no longer see your Fran workout. That's a popular workout where you do thrusters, which is a front squat and shoulder press overhead and some pull-ups. If you don't see that time go down. So when you don't see any progress and you fall off the wagon, what do you do? Uh, well, I think my approach as a behavior analyst is, let's say, well, let's look at the data. Let's see what we're looking at. You know, Let's see what's most important here. Can we pinpoint, narrow down, what are those significant variables in somebody's life that, that could um, that could, that could lead to progress or um, something stalling. So how, how do you do that? Um, the first thing I do, get to the data, figure out what's going on. And the biggest thing here is that when you're looking at progress, things stalling, you know, I said data, the biggest challenge is to try to control as many variables as possible. Too often is the case that, okay, we want to we want to change our diet, we want to change our sleep, we want to do this. Um, just just trying to standardize how much somebody you know how much somebody's working out and maybe sleeping. That's going to be the first way to look at plateaus and progress because there's so many things going on in the environment that it's hard to. Uh, really say for sure in the real world what's working and not. Um, And if we want to see progress, then if we can make sense of uh, a plateau data, if we're confident that we got everything under control, we are exercising four times a week, our diet's fairly stable, um, we're sleeping okay, I can sort of work out at the same time I'm doing similar exercises. If we can control these general things, again, I'm not giving particular, you know, specific advice on each of these, but just if you can keep these things in line, then I think then we can start looking at a plateau because you, you don't know what a plateau is unless everything else is, is controlled for. But then once you do control these things, then you look at just changing one thing. 
and then seeing if that helps. And then if that doesn't work after a week or a month or whatever the uh, whatever the necessary time frame is, then you might then you might change another thing, and so on. And you do it systematically to figure out what is it, what is it, what's that variable, what's that piece that's really holding people back. So, um, again, discussing ways. Uh, you know, you can't prescribe anything because I don't know the individual situation, but I would encourage people to try to standardize what type of diet and workout regimen that you are currently engaging in for at least a month or two and then see what's going on. And if you are confident with how things are looking, then we can maybe start tweaking things one at a time. All right, so I think that was good for question three. Question four, final question here. Using behavior analysis, how how to shape... Okay, this is kind of an odd start here. So this is a... Uh, how, how do you use behavior analysis and how to shape eating habits, especially with people that have no education or experience with a healthy lifestyle? So the question here is how do we shape healthy eating for people that have no education or experience with a healthy lifestyle? Well, first thing I would do is you know, ask somebody just in general, like, are you familiar with the general health guidelines? Like, do you know the basic servings of pro, you know, protein, meats, vegetables, things like that. Now, we could all argue for days about carbs and fats and all that stuff, and you know that's not my expertise. I know a little bit about it, but um, if you have somebody that has no clue at all, like have no clue how much water they should drink, no clue um, that they should avoid um, sugary sodas. I've talked about that a lot on my blogs and in social media, but... You know, you can't blame the person, so it's just good to have a nice check-in to say, hey, do you know about this? Okay, here's just a, here's the broad canvas. Here's here's just generally what we should do. So that's, you know, that's just a necessary step prior to um, shaping. And then the next thought is, okay, you arm somebody with the basic knowledge. Now it's a matter of, does it really matter if they know about it or does it matter more that they're just doing what you want them to do? So um, looking at eating and shaping the correct consumption. I know, you know, it might not be important to understand all the nutrients and all the different phyto ingredients inside of the green beans and all that. What matters is if I'm eating those types of food on a regular basis. So, you know, think about that too. So, so far we have... Provide the general education. Uh, the next, the next piece would be: Does it really matter? Do they need to understand what's in the what's in the food? More or less, it's just about are they eating the right things? And then step three: Shaping eating he- healthy habits. This here, depending on who your client is, you think about the learning history. Think about how long somebody has eaten a particular food. How long they've engaged in a protect- particular uh, ritual when it comes to eating certain foods. Um, I say ritual just because it's it's an easier term to think about when it comes to eating um, in a certain way. So rituals, we just had Thanksgiving, so that's a very specific ritual that's been reinforced over the years for many of us in the United States. We all get together, we all travel on Wednesday, we eat the food, we bake the turkey, we take a nap, wake up and watch football, right? That's the ritual. Those are behaviors that have been reinforced. So think about Somebody else's ritual that they may, I don't know, they go to their car during lunch break and they eat 
alone and they have like a candy bar every day so those are specific habits there so when we think about these eating habits what's what's just like one step towards a better target so if we take the um take the example let's say if somebody's eating a candy bar alone during lunch in their car maybe they um what's more important is it is it better that they join um the group and they just eat their candy bar in the lunch in the lunchroom with everybody or is it more of an issue of the food itself so maybe you uh okay they eat their candy or they eat in the car but they have um they have the candy bar or maybe they eat a different type of food so what are, what's just one small change that can be different that could lead to something um you know some target like all right the goal is to have this person eat um a bigger meal during lunchtime instead of a candy bar so what what could be the necessary steps to get them there sure it might be slow um going from a candy bar to let's say ordering a a chicken salad down the street um but shaping is all about reinforcing those small steps those successive approximations just gradually tiptoeing to the goal so you have to have an idea what does success look like for that person again i made up the example of somebody eating candy bars in their car during lunch okay well if if the goal is to then maybe to have them drive down the street to order a chicken salad then we have to look at okay do they have enough time do they have a menu do they know what to order all those things so all those things that i just described are individual behaviors that you're asking somebody to change one thing so um too often we might we get excited about one thing changing and we want to go ahead and change everything and unless there's a specific reinforcement in place or a specific learning opportunity that could get somebody there quicker eh i probably just take my time because you know somebody could be engaging in this habit or ritual and there could be other things going on in the environment that um are leading to the current habit so I think that's good for that question comment there. So those are the four questions that I had uh, that I wanted to review. Um as I went through these now I realized that we didn't cover a lot of this information. Um well some of the basics of the first one is, as far as like building a career and being an expert in a specific area but um overall those these these questions weren't covered at the Haba 2018 conference but uh, I'm glad I had this podcast to share them with you all. Um if you just listen to this I would just encourage you to if you have other questions or follow up comments or questions please let me know um you feel free to email me new or different questions and we can make a habit of doing a Q&A maybe we do a live one um but this is good for here so I hope you enjoyed these questions and keep moving That's it for today's episode. To learn more about Behavior Fit, visit www.behaviorfit.com. And if you haven't already, follow me on social media. I'm active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just find me at Behavior Fit, B E H A V I O R F I T. And I look forward to hearing from you and keep moving.